Welcome to the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast, a show that is dedicated to educating you on applying science-based training, nutrition, and mindset strategies from some of the top minds in the industry to help you build a leaner, stronger, and more confident self. I'm your host, Jeff Hain. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Mind Muscle Connection podcast. Today is a solo episode. And last week I went over what needs to be in your upper body training. So if you haven't listened to that one, um, you can listen to this one first. You don't have to listen to one or the other. Uh, but I do want to uh, remind you that I did that episode last week. So that's episode 171. Uh, so go back and listen to that if you want to also hear the upper body as well. But today we're going to focus on lower body. So training your entire body is going to help with your appearance, but it'll also make you stronger and decrease common aches and pains and even potentially lower your injury risk. And so it's, this isn't an issue for women, but for men in particular, it's far too common to skip over legs. Uh, if you don't care about growing your legs, that is one thing. And you can focus on mostly upper body or vice versa, right? So like if you, so as I'm saying this, I'm a guy that only trains his leg, legs once a week. But if you look at the a picture of my legs, like I just naturally have bigger legs and I don't, I'm not trying to grow them anymore. I'm more worried about my upper body. So therefore I decrease how much I do for my legs. I'm not necessarily trying to grow them. So I do less. And then I do focus more of my uh, volume on upper body. Okay. So you can do that as well, right? If you're somebody that wants to focus a little bit more on legs, maybe your upper body, you're happy with where it's at and where it's responsive to train training, you can dial back the training volume on your upper body and do more lower body. Again, if you're in my position, your legs grow easily. You're happy with where your legs are at. Maybe you do less legs. Now, if you're somebody that you just clearly don't train your legs and you, you know, you don't train them at all. Like that's definitely where uh, I see a lot of people run into issues there with that. Okay. Um, However, it, it is important to hit the basics for your legs. Again, not only for appearance, but this will also help with lowering your injury risk and, and can help with common aches and pains. So some of these common issues that I see is somebody only trains their upper body or B, they only, they only train their quads and neglect things like their hamstrings and glutes or C, they think that one movement pattern, i.e. squats, is all you need for leg development. Okay, so those are kind of the three common issues I see made with legs and why people probably don't have the legs that they want, right? Uh, again, they only train their upper body, only train their quads and neglect things like their hamstrings and glutes, or they think that one movement pattern like squats or deadlift or something is all you need. So you want to make sure at the very least you're hitting your basics when it comes to lower body training. Uh, don't be that guy or gal walking around with massive arms and a massive chest, and then you have bird legs. You know, it's not a good look. Most people don't like that. With the lower body, there are two basic movement patterns that should be in every lower body program. And then there are not... And then there are two patterns that would help with overall development, but aren't necessary based on time. Then there are three other movements that you can include based on your time, time and goals. So let's dive in. So the main movements, the two main movement patterns are going to be your squat and hip hinge. The squat. So this is the squat pattern is a knee dominant movement pattern that you've been doing for your entire life and will continue to do. You obviously do this every time you have to stand up. 
but it's commonly neglected when it comes to weight training. And this is a big mistake. So some like common exercises that we program for all my clients, you know, back squat, uh, the more I learn, you know, I, I like more of a heel elevated one for uh, really hitting your quads, uh, leg press, hack squat, pendulum squat, belt squat. You know, there's a ton of variations you can do for squatting. However, I find these to be the best for strength, muscle development, practicality, and translation to every day activity. Okay. So we definitely want to make sure we hit, probably want to hit one of those, right? If you don't like to back squat, that's fine. You know, you can do a leg press, you can do a hack squat, like that's totally fine and going to grow your legs. You know, I think there's this uh, perception that you have to do back squat to grow legs. And that is obviously not the case. There's other things that we can do. So there, the downside to squat patterns is that it does not effectively hit the rectus femoris and the hamstrings. Um, and this is from studies from Kubo et al. in 2019 and Zabaleta Corda et al. in 2021. So because of that, we will need to make sure those muscle groups are hit. So again, uh, you know, the rectus femoris is a muscle in the quad and it, the back squat really doesn't hit that one very well. Um, and then again, it doesn't really hit the hamstrings either. Okay. Uh, but the squat pattern will hit the glutes somewhat. Okay. So you will get some glute activation in your, in your uh, squats that should, that should be enough to maintain at the very least maintain your, um, of glute development. Okay. And we'll kind of talk about maybe how you want to, if you want to grow your glutes, what you need to do there. Uh, so they are great lower body exercise, but for maximal muscle development in your, in your legs, they aren't the only thing, right? So we know that again, rectus femoris isn't going to get hit and the hamstrings are not going to get hit either. So that makes that um, a need that we're going to have to fill somewhere in our programming. So we do want to make sure we're doing some sort sort of um, for a basic movement pattern, some sort of squat, right? So if you can only do like if you're very limited on time or, you, uh, again, don't really like training legs and you want to do the bare minimum, some sort of squat patterns you want to add in there. Now, the next one that you're going to want to add in, if you are limited on time, or you just want to do basics for your, for your legs, uh, a hip hinge. Okay. So this is the most neglected movement pattern in the gym and everywhere. It's probably the most unnatural one. Um, and so a lot of people get it wrong and because of that, they don't, they don't do it right. Uh, the hip hinge is a hip dominant movement pattern, not knee dominant. This movement is super important because it loads the posterior chain. Think things like your hamstrings, glutes, erector spinae, et cetera. If people spent time learning the hip hinge movement and progressively loading it, a lot of low back pain would go away. You know, I'm not a physical therapist, chiropractor, doctor. So that's just my opinion. I don't have the like, education on pain like they do, but I'm sure a lot would agree with me that, you know, we need to learn how to um, be able to load the posterior chain and like I said, I think that will take away a lot of like low back pain, things like that, um, that, that you see. So for an optimal hinge, you basically want feet straight forward, hip to shoulder width apart. You want your knees slightly bent. You know, you don't really want them locked out. Okay. So then basically from there, you're pushing your hips back, lean forward, shift weight slightly to heels. Um, shins should be relatively vertical. You know, you don't want your knees moving forward in this movement. You want to flat back from start to finish. You will feel stretch in the hamstrings if the pelvis is in the proper position. Um, you will probably feel a little bit more in the low back if you're not in the greatest position. Okay. So like a common, like coaching cue here with this is, you know, thinking about shutting a door behind you with your glutes, if you can't use your hands. So you just would like stick your butt back as far as you can. And that's essentially what you want to do with the hip hinges. You just start trying to stick your butt back. I think sometimes with the Romanian deadlift in particular, people put too much of an emphasis on like where the weight's going and like how low they can go with the weight. But really that the, what you want to be focused on is like keeping your back nice and flat. You're not rounding your back and you're just pushing your butt back as far as it can go. And you should feel like good stretching those hamstrings. 
So some common exercises that we program for this is like a dumbbell Romanian deadlift, a barbell Romanian deadlift, a stiff leg deadlift. You can do a single leg assisted dumbbell RDL, barbell good morning, dumbbell good morning. So another reason the hip hinge is important is that it will hit your glutes as well. Okay. So again, squat pattern will slightly hit the glutes. So will the hip hinge as well. This is going to hit the glutes. Um, and as you know, I mean, who does like you, you want to have some sort of muscle in your glutes, right? You don't want to have a, uh, you know, kind of a flat butt or a saggy weak, saggy glutes or whatever. Right. You know, I do think it can be a sign of like imbalance and, and probably some low back pain. Right. Um, however, the hip hinge does not do a good job a great job at hitting the short head of the biceps femoris, which is a muscle in your hamstrings. Okay. Um, because of that, it might be a good idea to include some hamstring curls. We'll talk about this in a little bit. So you have your two basic movement patterns. So your squat pattern is going to hit your quads, a little bit of your glutes, not hamstrings, right? So then that means that, Hey, we got to find an exercise that's going to hit our hamstrings. That's going to be the hip pinch. That's going to mostly so real quick on the squats, it's going to do a good job of hitting your quads. It's going to do a good job of hitting your glutes, not a great job at hitting the rectus femoris. Okay. So, and that's a muscle in the front of your leg in your quads. Um, so, you know, there's a gap there that we have to fill potentially, but if you just do squat, you're going to hit your basics, your basis for your, your legs and you'll be in a very good position. But again, it doesn't hit the, the hamstrings. So we want to make sure that we do some exercise that hits the hamstrings. What is that? That's the hip pinch. And this also hits the glutes as well too. Okay. So by doing these two basic movement patterns, you're going to be getting enough glute work in there, um, that you should be good to go. Right. And you're going to have your hamstring work from the hip hinge. You're going to have your quad work from the, from the back squat. Okay. But again, with the hip hinge, it's also not going to do a good job of hitting the biceps femoris, which is in the, the hamstring. Okay. So there might be, again, a little bit of gap here on these little bit smaller muscle groups in your legs. So that leads us to the next one, movement patterns to include based on time and goals here. And so really there's five, I kind of said there's, there's two and three, but really there's going to be five here that you conclude in on your, based on time and goals. Right. Um, so first is a knee extension. Okay. So the common exercise here for a knee extension is going to be leg extension, but you can also consider a uh, sissy squat that, um, this is going to hit the rectus femoris, which does not get hit in your squat pattern. Okay. This will help with overall quad development. You can go without it. But if you're really trying to get your legs to pop, you know, it's probably smart to include it in your programming. And, and let's be honest, it's super easy to program. Like you could do a set of back squats. Again, if you're super short on time, you do your back squats. That takes up most of the time. You go and do leg extension. It literally, you could do some intensity techniques like mile reps or uh, whatever it may be. Like you can do something like that and you can get that done in like within five minutes, right? So it's not going to be something that's a huge time commitment. Um, but again, that's where, okay, now we're going to fill that gap on the, uh, on the leg, on the quad development, right? So you add in some leg extensions, boom, you have that in there. Or like we said, even uh, a sissy squat, some, again, some sort of uh, knee extension here on that. Okay. So we do that. We have that in there now in your program. And so now your quad, uh, you can really see that nice full maximum development in your quads. Then we have knee flexion. Okay. So knee flexion would be something like a line or seated leg curl. Again, this can be a great way to further develop your hamstrings because we found out earlier hip hinges do not hit the short head of the bicep femoris. So now we're hitting that muscle. Um, and now we're going to get that nice, uh, we're going to round out our hamstring training, but again, you're going to get most of your development from that hip pinch. So like, this is only needed if you have the time, but again, just like the leg extension, it really won't take a ton of time to do this. Um, so it's not a bad idea to just kind of, you know, just have it in there. Right. Again, so we do want to make sure we for trying to really maximize our leg development, it's probably a good idea to throw in some leg curl. 
Uh, a study found that the seated leg curl was more effective at building muscle in the hamstrings than the lying leg curl. Okay. And this is from Mayo 2021. Uh, now, this doesn't mean that like if you do lying leg curl, it's bad, right? But if you have a seated leg curl option, you probably want to stick to that. At least, you know, if you've only done lying leg curl, maybe you try the the seated for a little bit, right? Again, you're still going to get, you're going to do more than enough with the lying leg curl. It's not like the lying leg curl is bad. It's just, you might see a little bit better. And again, this could be person dependent on the, on the seated leg curl. So I, I know for me, I was always into the, the lying leg curl and I was like, seated leg curl, I'm not doing that. But Obviously, the more I found out, I was like, okay, maybe this is actually a good one. And I really did see some good um, development when I did the seated leg curl because the gym I was at only had a seated leg curl, no lying leg curl, which again, I thought was like, this sucks. So it kind of forced me to do seated leg curl. Now the gym I'm at doesn't have a seated leg curl and I wish it did. So again, if you're going to pick one, uh, you know, maybe most of the time, maybe 75% of the time you're doing um, seated leg curl. Like for example, let's say over a span of six months, you do four different mesocycles of training, three out of four, maybe you're doing seated maybe one you're doing lying leg curl just to get a little bit of a different stimulus. So the next kind of movement pattern that you can do based on like time is going to be a lunge single leg type movement. Okay. So single leg strength is important. Um, you know, this is going to be important because there are going to be uh, times when you're in some sort of position that requires single leg strength. Um, not to mention, you know, this is just going to make your legs stronger overall. And, you know, every, every time we walk, run, change direction, jump off one leg or walk upstairs, you know, we perform variations of this movement. So some common exercises here are going to be things like walking lunges, weighted walking lunges, split squat, weighted split squats, um, dumbbell step-ups, things like that. Okay. Um, the cool thing with this is like, you can bias these to hit certain muscle groups, right? So like, for example, if you do a heel elevated one on the front foot, that's going to help you hit your, uh, quads a little bit more, right? Um, if you do like a dumbbell step up and you do a variation of that, you know, you can have it bias the the glutes more than like the quads or something like that. Okay. So that's a cool thing with this. Um, and so like the thing with single leg work is that you could make the argument that it can't be, that it can be considered a squat pattern as well. So you can kind of kill two birds with one stone here. Like you could theoretically use this as your uh, squat pattern movement, right? Um, so long as again, you're hitting your, um, you know, you're making it more like quad focus, right? Again, by like we talked about making, you know, your knees kind of travel forward, right? That's how you're going to make it um, more of that. But I do like to, again, based on time, like in equipment availability, right? This is where like, okay, maybe you don't have access to a barbell. You can't really do squats. Maybe you don't have like machines or anything like that. Okay, this is where you can have like the single leg replace the, the, the squat pattern. Right. And again, it is sort of a squat pattern. So like, again, you might be killing two birds with one stone there. So probably a good idea to have this in your training. Um, and this might be, and it again, could potentially replace a, a squat um, as well. So the next is hip extension. So think more like glutes type stuff, right? This doesn't necessarily have to be just hip extension. So this is really going to be any glute dominant exercise working on building strength in your glutes can help with low back pain. And again, we know people like a nice pair of glutes as well, right? So common glute exercises are going to be things like glute bridge, single leg glute bridge, dumbbell hip thrust, barbell hip thrust, um, glute, glute kick backs, okay? And then obviously, like we talked about, doing different variations of like single leg stuff can also bias the glutes a little bit more as well too. Um, so here with this, again, we want to add this in if we have the time, right? Like, so the, let me take my example. So I'm not overly focused on my legs. So I do a squat pattern. I do a hip hinge. I do a knee flexion and a, a knee extension. Okay. Um, 
in it, the other movement here that we're going to talk about, I do that, which I don't want to spoil that yet. Uh, so I do that for my legs. Okay. And uh, I don't do like any glute specific stuff, right? Because I'm not trying to grow my glutes. That would just be, that would just be taking time away from other things that I could be doing. Right. Um, that's taking volume away from things that are more important to me. And again, like I said, my glutes get hit enough to at least maintain in the, 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 the hip hinge and the, the squat pattern. Okay. Um, so that's why I don't do that specifically. Right. But for some female clients that do want to support even a male client, that's like, Hey, I want to work on building my glutes. Okay. We're going to make this more of a priority and going to throw in some pride direct glute work. Again, like I think the big mistake people make here is they like hear this and now they think they're gonna they should add in a ton of stuff. I mean, really, you only need three to six sets of this starting out um, to add into your basic uh, hip hip hinge and uh, back squat. But we'll talk about programming here a little bit more in a second. And then lastly, so this is the one I was talking about: calf isolation. Okay, if you want to improve your calves, and it's important you train them. I prefer a straight leg calf raise where you are standing as your main calf movement, but you can throw in some bent knee calf raises. Think seated calf raise for overall development. If you aren't happy with your calves by just uh, going just straight leg, right? I do just like straight leg. That's the one that I'll use. I don't like seated one. I never do it, but it can be a good way to round out if you have the time and you want a little bit. You have access to the equipment and you want to change it up just a little bit. Um, Again, that's going to hit more your soleus. So like that's going to be something that you can throw in, but uh, you don't have to. When I've done, I don't do two days of calf training anymore. I did um, when I was training six days a week and I would do two days of legs and whatnot. But now they just do one day of legs. I just do calf raises once a week. And again, that's going to be enough to at the very least maintain them. I could. The thing with calves is like, if you do want to specifically grow your calves, which again, this is when I'm not trying to, to stereotype here and generalize, but typically men are going to be ones that are more likely to want to work on their calves. Now it doesn't mean all women don't, but it's just more likely that men are going to want to work on their calves. So like if I wanted to work on my calves, that would be an easy muscle group to theoretically after, if I do those three sets on leg day, I could throw calves on another day as well. And you could, you could do that as well too. Again, that's where it's like, Hey, this is why this is a movement pattern that we want to include based on times and goals. Because again, let's, let's take a female, right? They want to do, uh, we're going to do the, the four. If they have the time, we're going to do the four and then maybe add in something like glute work, but we're not going to do calf isolation. Maybe a guy that wants to build their calves, we're going to do the, the main stuff. And then we're going to throw calf work in instead of glute stuff. Right. So this is where you can start to like individualize it to what you want. All right. So let's talk about like actual programming. So that's everything that you need in your lower body training. Uh, Again, if you hit those basic movement patterns, you're going to be good to go. You're pretty much going to check everything off. If you want to further maximize your leg development and you have the time, this is where you're going to start to add in other things. I would put leg extension and leg curl probably a little bit higher on the priority list for most people. But, um, you know, for some people that really want to work on glute work, glute stuff, you might, you can justify throwing that in over that. Um just obviously know the the trade-offs there okay anyway so these are the basic exercises for your leg training routine if you're short on time doing the two main movement patterns will be a great foundation and you will get fantastic results um so basically with the squat pattern and the hip hinge i would say about three to eight sets on each movement pattern per week is a great starting point now i do want to cap i should actually retract that statement three to eight sets on your squatting pattern i would say hip hinge two to six sets. Um, and I probably wouldn't go any higher than six sets. Um, as if anyone's really done a good RDL before or hip hinge, like your hamstring gets super sore. If you're doing like more than six sets a week on that, 
your hamstrings, I just feel like are just going to be a mess. Um, so that's how I would do that. Okay. So like, for example, you could do six sets of back squat and then three sets of hack squat if you want to, right. Um, then three sets of hip hinge for the week or whatever it may be. Right. Like I just said, I would do less for hip hinges because they tend to cause more damage and soreness. And then from there, you can do three to six sets for the other four movements based on your time and goals. Uh, for example, if you have the time, you want to add a knee flexion and knee extension. Um, if you want to also improve your glutes, then maybe you'll throw in three sets of glute work on top of it. Uh, so that's kind of how we would we would do that, right? I think with those extra movement patterns, don't go into it. Like, for example, this is I could see this mistake where it's like, oh, I want to work on my glutes and I'm going to do like six to, or I'm going to do like 15 sets of glute work. It's like, you're just doing too much. You can get away with doing way less and like focusing on progressive overload, right? That's the biggest mistake people make with training is if they want to see a muscle group improve, they just think they need to hammer away at the volume. And that's not what you need to do there on that. Um, so again, any of these extra ones that the, those four extra movements that we had talked about, add in about three to six sets and probably start on the lower side and then add in on an as needed basis. Cause you just want to make sure you're not doing too much. I just feel like if you do too much, you know, it, you can get away with less, right? So you might as well start lower and then add weight. And again, at the very least doing less is going to be like, Hey, you're at least maintaining doing too much. And it's like, now you're doing extra time working out and you could theoretically see diminishing returns from doing too much. Okay. So that's kind of the, the, the trade-off there of that. So that's it for this episode. Um, hopefully this was helpful. Uh, if you have any questions on this specific topic, please feel free to reach out and I will talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening. If you want more free content like this, follow me on Instagram at jeffh91 underscore or visit jhhealth.net. See you next time.